Hello, climate change. Waking up and taking action one conversation at a time. I'm Amy Callisher, and I'm about to play for you a conversation I had with Sam Ward, who is a kayaking company. Well, let him tell you all about himself. He lives in Uganda, and he has some great thoughts about taking on climate change um, and facing discouragement, among other things. Enjoy. Hello. <laughs> this Hi, is, Amy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And I, I'm really uh, pleased to be talking to you. It's kind of a, a funny experience because, you know, not, not only have I never heard your voice, Sam, but I know very little about you just from the little email exchange. But the important thing is that we're both grappling with this issue and I'm always eager to connect with anyone else who's trying to think about this. So maybe we could just start. Why why don't you tell a little bit about yourself and where you're coming from when you think about climate change? Sure. (laughs) Cheers, Amy. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah. Fun to, um, fun to talk about these things. And, um, so yeah, I'm from, uh, the UK originally, but now I live and work in Uganda where I am, I live right on the banks of the River Nile. And I've been coming here and living here on and off for about 13 years or so now. So I've really seen there's a lot of change happening. Um, and I've been able to see that um, as I've been living here. So it's been really interesting to sort of be a, a part of that sort of change and seeing the river and the environment and the people and, the, and what's going on here um, evolve and change um, and it's really sort of kind of hammered home some of the, the things that are, that are happening in the world and, um, and particularly with climate change and so on. So, and so my, yeah, I, I guess the, that's what sort of piqued my interest initially and then sort of delved deeper into the topic. Uh, and, uh, yeah, here I am talking to you. <laughs> Perfect. So why don't we just break that down and start with what have you seen that, caused you to pay attention to this and caused you to have concern? Well, when, I mean, when I first got uh, got here, when I, I came here first on a whitewater kayaking trip, and that's, that's you know, my profession. And I, uh, when I was kayaking down the river, it, I was sort of kind of really knocked back by the, the, the jungle and the, the wildlife and the trees and the monkeys and the bird life and everything that was, that was lining the riverbanks and all the islands. It's a huge river. And, uh, and, and so it was really a, a, a natural habitat. And then over the last 13 years, we've got a really fast expanding population in Uganda. And there's been a big influx of uh, of people around the river and there's been a lot of deforestation for a variety of reasons so there's there's been huge sort of sections of the river that are now completely deforested for various reasons and then also um because of the growing population and the white water and the huge size of the river it's made it a prime spot for uh, uh, hydro dams as well so there's been there's now the third major hydro dam within this 50 kilometer stretch is uh, is in construction at the moment so that's sort of removing special places you know and and really changing the dynamic here um and so i guess it's sort of 
seeing that sort of really organic, natural environment and seeing it slowly torn apart by lots of different things, it's still not, it, I, I shouldn't say it's completely torn apart. It's still a beautiful place to be and live. But, um, but anyway, it's very, I guess it's really raw and it's right there. And, uh, and you also got quite a, a crazy sort of setup with, uh, with a huge spectrum of income um, and different people living on the river. Some people, are, a lot of people here are subsistent farmers and fishermen who are really earning sort of baseline income, sort of a dollar a day um, type income. And then you've got also right up to sort of high-end, super sort of wealthy people with huge lodges and uh, and sort of, you know, big, big, it's kind of almost like mansions on the side of the river. So it's really sort of, you know, and you've got one right next to another. So all of those things that you see in the climate change topic, you kind of see it right there. <laughs> you know, when you get to work, you see it. So it's uh and when you when you go anywhere, when you paddle down the river, you, you it's just uh, it's there for you to see. So, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to imagine. I, I never occurred to me that there would be like recreational water sports on the Nile. <laughs> just you know, I've never been to that part of the world at all. But the idea of seeing that juxtaposed against somebody fishing for a subsistence life, it seems like how could you not pay attention to that and feel have have to reckon with that yeah sure well a lot of people manage to yeah <laughs> to ignore it still but uh, but you know um no it is a bit a lot more in your face i guess but um it's also like it's also interesting to see that the impact that tourism has i know we're kind of deviating off the climate change directly topic but the impact that the tourism has also brings a lot of income to the area so a lot of people who used to be you know really hard on the poverty line and struggling now have really world-class jobs earning good money in, in the in the tourism trade so you know and that's been nice to have a, be a part of that also we've got you know maybe 35 or 40 people who work for me in my different businesses and whatever else and so and and they they all support people and you know and, and so they're you know it's definitely bringing you know having that opportunity to to raise people out of poverty is a nice thing mm-hmm. um and it's not all, you know, it's not all doom and gloom here. It's a beautiful place and the, and the people are very happy on the whole. <laughs> Do you feel like there's the potential or even is it happening that tourism bringing attention to that area could also benefit environment, environmental concerns there? Yeah, sure. I mean, the a lot of the areas that have been bought and, and sort of owned by tourism operators and operations uh, have sustained or planted a lot of trees or they've re, uh, sustained the natural environment and use that as the t- part of the tourism draw. So, you know, a lot of people, there are big sections of islands and channels and rivers uh, of the river and um, that, that are very, that are still very pristine. And so there's less need to chop the trees down if people who are living close to the river don't have or they, if they have a sustainable income. So the reason the reason it's chopped down is so that they can plant uh, plant crops, or because they needed it, it like a, a short term influx of uh, of money. You know, we're on the edge, and they need some money for their kids' healthcare or something along those lines, and they chop the trees down for that. Right. You know, but they chop the trees down and sell it, or for for firewood or whatever else. Yeah. So anyway, so I guess I kind of got onto that sort of train from there. But then obviously there's the there's the th- everything that's going on on a more global scale, and I started to sort of look into that and the impacts that I was having and that my businesses were having, and it was definitely getting a little bit kind of you know it's quite interesting and uh, definitely and that was the original reason for reaching out to you was that 
there's that sort of slight feeling of powerlessness or overwhelm when you're kind of a little tiny little fish and there's this huge impact that's going on in that sort of world you know across the world and it really feels it can feel a little bit sort of well it's definitely un, uh, sort of unempowering or you, you know sense of powerlessness when you kind of you really don't have the power to to change governments or to do this or that and you know as an individual um, so that's where I was kind of struggling with it a while, um, a while ago, and that's where it's kind of dug into that topic a little bit more. And I think that was the that was the reason for the original email. Right, your email was so helpful to me. I think you probably listened to the most recent episode that I had done with Randy McMahon, who is a activist local to me, and I think we were both exploring discouragement basically and and how to keep moving forward in the political climate that we're in right now. And your email was basically about moving it past that discouragement. I guess I'll let you you explain your ideas, but but I found it helpful. So, so yeah, so I guess what I did, I kind of said, all right, I've got to kind of work this out a little bit and figure out uh, like a more empowering way of sort of thinking about it, I guess. But the, so the part, the, the primary issue is that, okay, uh, you know, your personal impact or maybe your work or whatever it else is, you know, actually, if you look at it, like say the average American is 20 tons a year of emission, you know, standard um, American, American emission. And, and compared to the 38 billion tons that are released in the world, it just feels like such an insignificant amount. But, um, you know, it's not actually an insignificant amount. Uh, 20 tons a, a year is is like, it's like, I think it's 1500 tons over a lifetime. And if you imagine that lined up in cars, that's quite a lot. Of, you know, that's quite a lot of stuff that you, you're actually releasing into the atmosphere. But and the problem is that it's it's compared to these enormous figures and there's that sense of powerlessness. I, the, the thing that made a big help for me is to go beyond that and to look at the other side. There's also big numbers, not just in the emissions side, but also on the other side where of the impacts, you know. So so when you if you look at the potential impact over the next hundred years, there's a huge potential difference between the worst case or the best case scenario and the, and the worst case i mean nobody really knows exactly where the worst case scenario is but really you know even if we keep driving forward and keep going the way we're going then it's definitely going to be you know there's you know there's eight and a half million species on earth and a good portion of them are going to be under threat so there's a big number there there's seven billion people on earth and over the next hundred uh, sort of hundred years Billions of those could die with climate-related issues. Already, 250,000 people a year are dying with climate change-related issues. You know, so it's happening now. It might not be happening right in your doorstep of the people who are emitting, <laughs> but it's happening here. You know, like the storms and the crop failures and whatever else that are associated. We can talk about that later. But anyway, the the point. Um, <laughs> the point, I guess, is that every after your emission, your emissions, even though they're not big compared to the, that huge um, amount that's being emitted in the world, every little bit will contribute in some way towards tipping the scale a little bit further towards the worst case or a little bit, you know, every reduction you can take will t tip you a little bit along the spectrum towards um, towards the, the, the best case scenario for climate change. And so, and as you move further and further towards that worst case, then you, t you go over a little, uh, you know, that you could mean extra people dying in the future. It could mean another species or two in the future. So, so even if we, um, as individuals, 
only do nothing else but say halve our emissions for the rest of our lives, which is a significant thing. That could easily make a difference between billions of people potentially in the future, which could be in the worst case scenario. Or, you know, the difference between, uh, you know, half a million people dying and, and, and several billion. And um, it could easily tip the difference in the future in some unknown place between several people extra dying or not, you know. So I guess that was when I started to think about it like that. And remember that, that it's all on one big spectrum. It was much more empowering for me and much less debilitating, I guess. Um, it helped me kind of say okay well it is kind of worth me you know making a few sacrifices or making a few steps or taking some time and energy and effort and money to make a few changes in my life and to you know not all of them are cost of money or or sacrifice but you know if you if you make some changes then it can make a difference unfortunately you're never going to get to meet that person that you save <laughs> you know just like if you are a high emitter or if you're policymakers or whatever else that you know, make a policy that's going to uh, commit a certain amount of CO2 extra into the the, the atmosphere. And you're, you're not, not likely to meet the people that you're condemning either. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, because if that, if that connection was stronger, then a lot more people would act on climate change. Yes. The big problem is we don't really know what the worst case scenario is. So we can't say... Uh, maybe 5 billion people or 3 billion people um, over the next 100 years are going to die because of climate change. It, worst case, you know. We can't, we can't say that because nobody really knows. And, but if you, if you could say that and if you could directly link a certain amount of emissions with a certain amount of deaths, then it would be much more direct and much easier for people to say, wow, this is what I'm doing. Not, l let's forget Trump and forget the Paris Agreement and forget all of that stuff. It, what, what am I doing? What's my business and what's my lifestyle doing? You know, and I guess, I don't know, I guess that was the, for me at least, that, that sort of idea or, you know, once you sort of take it beyond the emissions and those big numbers and you look at the big numbers of the potential consequences, it made me appreciate the importance of the smaller stuff as well, I guess. So when you made that switch for yourself, uh, mentally, how did that manifest itself in your day-to-day and -day, your physical work reality? Yeah, I've been, you know, I think most people who really engage in this topic tend to go on a bit of a journey with it, like you're doing. It's been fun to listen to your journey with the different podcasts, but um, um, mine's been a lot more internal, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but uh, you know, but uh, I guess I did have a bit of a realization, and then I kind of back grappled with it, and I, I kind of started setting a little bit of a sort of period aside and the first major period was going to be educate myself like I, I knew that this is important and I knew that you know but I, I didn't feel very empowered about it and, and so I, I've been doing a lot of educating a lot of I've, I've watched a lot of documentaries listened to a lot of podcasts I've done some reading and I've, I've talked to I mean it's it's a bit sad quite how few people that I seem to have connection with that really seem to be engaged you know properly in this um, but uh, I have a, a couple of people that I've sort of talked to, and um, so I uh, um, and so now I've just started doing a full carbon audit of my three businesses. I run three businesses run here, and and one that's UK based, but uh, sort of moving around the world. And uh, and so now I've just um, I've I've started to do a full carbon audit, so to, to like really understand where my mission are coming from and my contribution is coming from because it's hard to know what 
in what changes would make the bigger impact. It's quite difficult to work that out, you know. So I guess that's that's where I'm at at the moment, and it's still relatively fresh. I, I mean, I've I've been looking at my own personal impact and doing and, and making all the changes I could that are easy. <laughs> that are easy to do so so now if everyone looks at their life and actually if they looked at it from a government perspective most people i think would look at this and think actually there's a few things i can do that, that doesn't really affect the quality of my life it doesn't really change the things that really are important to me but would you know make a reasonable impact and, and that's the easy stuff and then it, and then to be honest, you know, I think even if we all just did that, that would be great, <laughs> you know, and that would help, you know, if, especially if collectively we all did that. But um, but then there's also things that are like, OK, now you get into the, the harder stuff. And I guess that's where I'm at now. <laughs> uh, a friend of mine who, who did a podcast with me on this gave me a really great insight, which was that you because I, I was kind of feeling down on myself that I couldn't figure out anything beyond my you know, my efforts to recycle and um, better insulate my own home. And it felt so small. But she said, well, this is where you're building the muscle to do the next thing. And, you know, you start out with any new new regime. <laughs> um, you have to start small. So, yeah, so what were some of those things for you? I started with the household stuff. I mean, we don't have, we're fortunate we live on the equator. We don't have any heating and we don't, you know, we don't use air, air, air conditioning either. So, um, so in that sense, it keeps it limited. We've downsized our house. We've moved now to the river and we're in a much smaller house now. Um, you know, simple things around the house. We, um, we uh, keeping minimizing light you know all of the sort of basic stuff around minimizing power use switching your computers off which is surprisingly i don't know why i wasn't doing that at night you know I but know. and you know minimizing the lights you know and and um so really sort of quite simple stuff for that part and then you know looking at we've we also moved so that i'm i'm on the river now so instead of having to drive to work i can kayak to work so i, li- I live on one wow. side of the river and uh, and so i'm literally right next to the river and um, 100 meters from it and so i just i walk down the hill and i can kayak across the work so so the the daily commute is not only is it healthier and 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 i get some exercise and and sort of reset mentally and physically but also um, I'm not driving to work anymore. So that's, um, you know, so I guess, you know, I don't know exactly. Then this is part of the reason I was doing this carbon audit now is because I'm doing all these little things and I don't know whether which one has the most impact or what the, you know, what the effect is. But anyway, those are the, some of the things I've stopped eating. Uh, I don't eat a lot of meat, but I, I stopped eating beef <laughs> because of the, you know, and I think the it's a lot easier to switch beef for chicken than it is to to take a real uh, um you know so i think a lot of people would find it a lot easier just to and that that in itself would definitely makes a so those are sort of uh, an examples of smaller things you know the some of the food and and that sort of thing but um it's not it's not like revolutionary stuff but it's kind of small household personal things and going through the process of education and uh, and then i guess also one of my key things is flights you know and that's i live in uganda but my family is in in the uk so i've I've definitely cut down for the last year six months year i've done a lot less flying than i have previously which is but that's still something that's going to be hard to avoid completely (laughs) so i don't know especially living on a different yeah living on a different continent to my family and whatever else 
Um, but you know, and and with with kayaking, I'm uh, competed kayaking, and and every two years the world championships comes around, and um, or whatever else. The, the, you know, in order to train, you've got to be at the best places in the best times, and so um, you know, I've definitely had to weigh up sort of sacrificing that area of my life in order to so that's where it really gets a bit sort of juicy and difficult <laughs> you know all right this is what one of my passions and here's another thing that's emerging in my life and they're really battling a little bit i i'm so glad to hear you talk frankly about that uh because i'm having similar struggles like i for a while it didn't feel that didn't feel that demanding for me because there was very little flying that I needed to do. And then in recent, in recent months, there's been things that have come up and it's just like our whole lifestyle is built around this idea that you can just get in a plane and go. Yeah, that's exactly, I mean, yeah, I feel, you know, I'm still forming exactly where I'm going to draw my lines about it all. And it's in, in, you know, I guess it's a question we're all going to ask is what, you know, some things we can do without sacrifice or with minimal sacrifice and some things require um much bigger levels of sacrifice and then it's then it's a sort of case of like how far are we willing to go and what are we willing to sacrifice it does feel hard to to have that sort of personal sacrifice on the sort of on the for the collective good (laughs) you know definitely it's a kind of a tricky thing to do and the next stage for me really is is Rather than just feeling guilty about it all, I wanted to quantify it properly. Mm. So, so that's what the carbon audit is. That's what I'm trying to um, do at the moment um, is to try and, um, you, know, look, you know, maybe I can make much bigger gains by doing something simple for the for one of my businesses than than having like massive personal sacrifices in, in another area that actually doesn't save me that that much carbon. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I guess we look at it all, and I guess what. I haven't. I think I'll be able to have much clearer ideas once I've um, once I've kind of got this audit done. Um, but there'll be my idea is that some things will be easy to change in businesses, and I'll change them. And then um, some things um, will be near impossible to change. You know, you can't just buy electric cars for the for the in Uganda where there's no such thing you know <laughs> so there's no you know some things there's uh, you know you just can't avoid fossil fuels for certain aspects um and then um so so what I'll do is you know, I, I haven't got this clear yet but I'll take the steps that I can and then we'll offset the stuff that um that I can't so carbon offset there's there's some two of my things that that are envi- related to environment one is this riverbank uh, destruction and the other is the um the bigger picture sort of carbon uh, climate thing um so maybe trying to bring those together maybe with some offsetting i i you know maybe that's a discussion for next time because i haven't got a very <laughs> clear idea of how that's going to be going i don't know um so uh, um but that's where i'm at in terms of that sort of personal digging digging into it a little bit yeah so how would you how do you how you do you begin the undertaking of a carbon audit i'd probably be able to give better advice once i've finished it <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but what i'm doing they I guess where I started is I just wrote it. I started with an Excel spreadsheet of just like I listed everything that was that I do, you know, broken down into categories. 
looked at my food, looked at my transport and the flying and looked at the, you know, I just kind of listed it all, uh, you know, thing, things that I buy. I didn't buy all that much stuff, but I, you know, I have a computer for the business and I have my kayaking gear and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, I just listed them all and then listed, you know, all of the stuff that we have for the business and how much we know we keep track of the transport costs and that sort of thing within the businesses. So, you know, I guess, I just started with a like a, a broad list of of items um, for the different businesses and for my own personal impact, and then and then some things are really easy to work out, <laughs> you know, with some research online. Some things it gets quite complicated because I guess with a carbon audit, you kind of got to decide a little bit who is responsible. Mm. So, for example, like. It, you know, part of my uh, one business, let's say, give me an example, Kayak the Nile is one of the businesses, and part of their kayaking tour is to get a um, is to get their lunch, right? And it, so, and we do have many, uh, you know, thousand lunches a year or something like that. And um, but those lunch, uh, so those lunches are made by a an, an, uh, local guy as an alternate operator, you know. And so technically, that's his business is stuff that that comes to our business and then also the client has an element of um carbon responsibility for that as well <laughs> because it's there they're eating the food you know so if i was buying a if i'm buying um a, like a computer then i would should personally take responsibility for that but but the reality is that most people aren't so i what i'm actually doing is saying no i'm going to take responsibility for the food and i'm going to you know even though but but then it gets it gets quite complicated to decide who's who's in who's responsible for the carbon (laughs) when you got there so so i guess there's an element there's a lot of resources online and um a friend of mine has set up a uh, quite a cool little initiative that's in it's sort of youth very much in its youth it's called babuga conservation riverbank conservation and she's she's doing some great stuff she's like trying to conserve the riverbanks and trying to educate the uh, the local community. And she's also doing sort of women's cooperative uh, stuff to create crafts, to create some income so they don't have to chop down the trees. She's got bees and she's got um, and some other sort of fruit, more fruit trees. So she's trying to like promote sort of like making a living and earning a living whilst conserving this natural environment. So that's quite a cool little initiative. But she's very knowledgeable about that. I had a brief chat with her the other day, um, and I'm going to go sit down with her properly, and, and she can help me with the more complicated bits because oh, nice. <laughs> I'm no expert. You know? Can you spell the name of her website? Yeah, so it is Babuga, is B-A-B-U-G-A, and then Riverbank Conservation. Okay. But I'll, I'll find it, and maybe I'll we, can we put it in the notes or something? Yeah, yeah. Let me just say that there's a website for this podcast. It's hellocc.info, and whenever something comes up that someone might want to look up, I put it into the show notes on that, um, on that webpage. So, great. So, um, do you have a thought of something you want to say next? I mean, I could think of questions for you, but I kind of like the idea of giving you a chance to think out loud about whatever your next challenge is. Well, I guess, I don't know, on the, on that sort of personal, another thought along the lines of what we were, the email interaction that I was having, I guess, is the... Um, you know, once we put those numbers back in about the the impacts, and you sort of there's a bit more empowerment as well. But there's a, there's one thing that 
I, I've known for years, but I only really start to understood really. There's a there's a the the, the classic or famous Gandhi quote, which is the uh, "We must be the change that we wish to see in the world." Right. It's a really beautiful quote. But I um but I didn't. I only really sort of started to understand it, and this was in a, a different subject, a different sort of topic. But it, I definitely reread that, and I thought oh, that totally applies here and it's not just about um you know it's not just about some moral choice i guess the way i've kind of understood it and thought of it um is it definitely so once if you want to see a certain thing happen in the world so you know an example of the context here would be obviously you know low carbon or reduced you know better better care for the environment whatever else um and you start acting like that and you start voicing it and talking about it, not, not so much like telling other people to do it, but more like taking personal action. Then there's the, it, it very much sort of, that has a quite a, an effect on all those people who are within your sphere of influence. If you yes, see what I mean, yes. some people have a small sphere of influence some people have a huge sphere of influence. So obviously, you know, if someone with a huge sphere of influence makes it, takes action and that sort of drags a lot along, a lot of other people along with it, but wherever the sphere of influence, it doesn't really matter because it, it sort of pulls everyone a little bit around you towards that. It makes it sort of a little bit more socially acceptable or a little bit more, um, you know, inclined to, to take steps, even if they don't take the steps as far as you, it definitely pulls other people along with you. And so I think that's quite a, that's quite a, a, a neat thing, even without, you know, and then I'm not talking about sort of, you know, trying to convert people or trying to push people to do it. I'm more talking about sort of just, you know, it's the leading by example thing. But the, um, so I think that's quite a, um, quite a nice thing to think about as well. It's not you're not just, um, you're not just doing your own thing. You're also sort of setting an example for people around you to making it you know, make it more acceptable or easier for them to do it. I mean, there's been times where, like, I'm almost feeling a bit sheepish saying to someone, I'm going to do this, you know, I'm a bit, almost a bit embarrassed that I'm taking action, that, you know, and people are a bit, you know, like, oh, sorry, yeah, I'm not eating beef anymore. And so I know it's my own silly little thing that I'm doing, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's sort of like it shouldn't be embarrassing. Mm to take action but because it's not in the in the like main you know certainly not in the you know it's not in the mainstream to take proper action you know it's not in the sort of what everyone does it sort of does feel like you're stepping a little bit at a limb and i think it's a little bit easier for the for the next person in your sphere of influence or the group that you're you know to, to follow suit than it so it does sort of create that I think it opens that possibility of people to to follow suit without 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 needing to it be such a struggle for them anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does, and uh, for a lot of reasons. One is you're modeling that something is possible. You're letting them know because a lot of times people feel powerless and they feel like if they were to do something, they're doing it in isolation. And so you're showing that not only that something can be done, and even though it's small, but that they actually have you as some, as an ally in, in that. I was thinking about what you were saying about whose carbon footprint is it exactly, the lunches that you know, are part of the deal when people come and, and do a day with you. And on one hand, I find myself thinking, okay, well, we could get caught up in the calculations and trying to get your numbers right, or it could be, like, where are your opportunities? And there's there's maybe a way of thinking about that where there might be some opportunity there. 
where you could support the person who's making the lunches to do something that's actually more sustainable for them too. I mean, I really do believe if it's better for the planet, it's better for us. Your commute now, you know, you was a great example of that. So there might be something, I can imagine, you know, your people sitting down for lunch and you being able to say to them, hey, this, this food is from a local farmer and like, it couldn't be more fresh, it couldn't be more specific to this area, and, and it could be sort of adding value to what you're offering them. Part of what, what we get to do as we make those changes for ourselves and people around us see them they see that our quality of life is actually getting better as we make these changes. It makes it more attractive. And I guess on that same vein is, you know, one thing to remember is like the world just, it can't change unless a, 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 like a good number of people start taking the action, you know, and by taking the action and by, you know, with your consumer choices and whatever else you're pulling or pushing the, the world in a very subtle, slight way, you know, and this enormous thing in, into the direction you want to see it in. And so that's another sort of aspect of that, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. It's definitely sort of pulling or pushing the, you know, by choosing, buying local food or whatever, it, whatever else it might be. So I think that's, um, yeah, and I think that's true. The, the tricky thing with the lunches example, to, to carry that analogy on further, is sure. like then you're sort of saying um, if you you know with the lunches, like all right, well it would be a lot like you know because obviously vegetarian or vegan food even is is um, you know I'm not a vegan but I eat a lot of vegetarian food you know not all the time but um, but if uh, but if the if the lunches if we made the lunches vegetarian then it would be a lot less impact over the course of the year. But a lot of people would grumble, <laughs> grumble about it, you know, kind of imposing that sort of, you know, so there's, you can sort of make it a bit fresher and a bit more local, say, and you might be able to switch beef for chicken without people objecting, for example, or, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, but, but then there's that point where people, you know, people aren't, sort of impose you know then the quality of product or you know so so i guess what we're going to what i'm looking for is those those steps like beef to chicken or those steps like you know imported to local that that we can make by improving value you know easily and then and then we need to really consider very carefully before we make any major changes that are really going to uh, detriment the the customer or detriment the major quality of life you know and so um that's a, it's a tricky, tricky business. But I guess that for me, wanting to sort of dig into it properly is like, I don't want to be making sacrifices that are basically pointless, overshadowing. It's like the, the plastic bad syndrome. If you, you know, I've read about that in some places and people are like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't, I don't use plastic bags in the store anymore. So, you know, so that's my contribution sort of thing. And then, but you know, they, they feel good about that, but then, oh, that's great. I'm saying you shouldn't, but that then justifies them buying a long haul flight or buying a huge car and driving to the store. But if you if you drive to store in a huge car, then then a plastic bag gets you about thirty yards in your car, you know. Right. So, so I don't know. So so that's why it's important to, to that's why I'm trying to dig for actual actual numbers, even if they're guesstimates, to try and really like decide if we're getting proper value with any sacrifice that we choose to make. I think you can't like you can't really discount any one small thing if they rationalize their big car because they're not using plastic bags 
it's still just a rationalization. It's just that they've been able to give up one thing and they still feel bad about that other thing. So they're using a rationalization. So at least, you know, at least you know that they're, at least having, they're making a plastic bag. Well, at least that, but also, you know, that they feel bad about the big car if they're trying to balance the two. And, you know, that that's as far as that person can stretch right now. But the more people decide to give up plastic bags, the less pushback there'll be when, uh, some municipality or even a state decides to outlaw them. The food co-op where I belong a few years back just decided that they would stop using them altogether. And, um, and there's more and more places that do that. And it, you know, it was no, no big deal. You know, they, we have stacks of boxes from which the products came in that are at the register and you grab a box and put your groceries in there if you didn't have your own bags or whatever. Um, so there's, there's all those places, but yeah, I think, I think one of the things listening to you makes me think about is how important creativity is in all of this. Like some of those challenges about balancing people's expectations and their perceived needs against what actually is best for us all is, is about being creative. And, you know, there's like ways that you can ease towards in a spectrum way rather than a black and white way towards something better and better for all. And, yeah, it's, it's so it's so good to put your mind on it because that's really how it works, right? You just you find the edge where there seems to be a rigid barrier, and you just keep focusing on it, and you start to find ways to chip away at it. So I, that's very inspiring to hear about all of that. Do you want to say a little bit about uh, um, what your businesses are? Sure. The the three businesses I have is Kite the Now, which is a kayaking operator here on, on the Now, which is mostly people in Uganda. And then Love It Live It, which is a which was a lifestyle company who was set so has set the goal not to make money predominantly. This is immediately after university, but I wanted to sustain a lifestyle of um being in all of the best kayaking places during over the course of the year. And so that so I was I was selling a holiday in a specific location and then I would move to the next place and then I would sell out. And the point was to pay for my travels and, and to sort of show people and um the different places and amazing places that it was. So we did that all over the world for a while. Um, and I still run that and also run these other two businesses. And the third is Nile Sup, which is a stand-up paddleboard sort of company on the Nile here. So mm. so those are the actual activities themselves. Like kayaking is a very low impact. There's no – it's natural. It's a, it's a physical activity. So, you know, in, the, in, the, in its core sense, it's very low, acti- uh, low impact. And it really gives people an appreciation for the environment. So if you look at um, kayakers in general, it's the same as any outdoor sport. Um, you know, the people – that are involved have this great appreciation for the beauty of nature and and the environments that they're moving into and they really see destruction and pollution and so on firsthand like right up in up in their face much much sooner than people in the in the in the city or suburb or whatever um but there is so that sounds you know all great from an environmental perspective but you know and, and actually that was the part that i was focused on i really felt like it was a great thing to be showing people and uh, you know opening these people's eyes to these different cultures and different places and then there was this sort of background thing that i just felt a little bit uneasy about and i kept thinking about sometimes and for a number of years the environmental side of it and and then you start you know particularly the flights traveling right. to the different places it becomes you know and it's not such a you know actually my my picture was not very 
true, <laughs> you know, to, to reality when I kind of really dug into it. And so I was kind of, I bought this book. So it's a really good book. It was the rough, uh, the rough guide to climate change. And I don't know if they've got a new, um, an updated version, but it was very well written to kind of really give you an overview of the picture. And I, I bought it knowing that I should read it and I kind of like did care about it but and then it sat on my shelf for, for like a, a couple of years I think you know and I would feel guilty every time I saw it oh I should read it but oh I'm just gonna read this other book you know and and it was kind of like that part of the you know part of this process I guess you know it was a bit like and I think there were a lot of people sitting like that I would yeah. guess you know people aren't necessarily listening to podcasts and kind of reading and directly and taking action but they kind of know it wouldn't take it. There's a little. It would only take a little bit of a catalyst to kind of, you know, get them a lot more engaged in the subject. And so, anyway, I had that book, and I eventually read it, and I was glad I did eventually, you know, and got myself to it. And I don't know why it was it took me so bloody long, but um, it was. It, and and that that wasn't the, really the, the main tipping point, but it definitely helped me along the side of really getting the bigger picture understanding of how it all how global warming is going to affect the world I think it's really good so I don't know I'd love to read an updated version because that was a 2007 version or something I don't know if they've done a new one um but uh but I found it you know anyway that was my early and then it kind of gradually transitioned into taking a little bit more personal action until I kind of say right I've got to face this hypocrisy in my life (laughs) so did you come to any new thoughts about the flights that you know, people are taking to do these trips? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the, the two new businesses I have are much more, I mean, people, uh, a lot of people are tourists, but they're, 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 a lot of people don't fly here specifically for it. Mm. You see what I mean? So That's they're already in country. And then, um, so those those businesses now, um, and then, you know, so I offset my flights. I started from a, a number of years ago, I'd started offsetting my flights um, and then giving the opportunity to the customers if they wanted to, to offset their flights. So they're not really <laughs> many have, to be honest, but, you know, just sort of providing that thing and, and at least taking my own flights and offsetting them mm-hmm. was the sort of initial stage. Obviously that's going to continue, but I'm hoping to, rather than just paying it to Climate Care or one of the other offset organizations, I'd, be, I'd love to kind of get involved in a more local initiative that are directly involved and maybe benefited Ugandan, uh, you know, the population here or um, conserve the environment here or, or maybe re, um, replenish the, the environment here. So, and this is part of the issue at the moment and part of this offset is, is uh, no, part of this audit is to try and work out like, all right, what, again, it's sort of like, what part am I playing in that? And certainly my own flights I have complete and utter responsibility. And then for the other people's flights, I, I have part responsibility. If I'm in, in part inspiring them to travel, then that, that is part, you know. Um, so we've also put a 1% um, towards a local charity for the uh, um, as well from the Love It, Live It. So, so, so there's a sort of element of, you know, we're trying to incorporate an element of getting people to think about what they're doing when they come, you know, to different countries. And we do it all over the world, but, you know, Canada, Zambia, Nepal, Thailand, um, Uganda, and, and, uh, and so all of these different countries. But but and, and we're trying to get people to think a bit more about responsible tourism, so at least maximizing the benefit from them being there, you know, and helping, you know, drive some money into that local local uh, economy. But then it, it's hard to 
you know, it's hard to reconcile completely the fact that there's a, a long haul flight involved <laughs> in all of those trips. You know? mm-hmm. And so I don't know, there's no, you know, I guess we, we're all faced with sometimes we get these sort of little bit of a stumbling blocks. And so I have yet to resolve that, I guess. Yeah. But at the offset, you know, you you take this, the chances where you can to cut down where you can. And then I guess it's not great offsetting is not a perfect answer but i guess it's a it's a it's a not a bad b plan (laughs) yeah Yeah. well a lot of people put their hope into new technologies um, new new sources of fuel and some people think like well when we run out or when we stop taking it out of the ground and then we're just going to have to revise the way we conceive of what's possible right either one of those feels easier than to just decide you know okay i got i'm gonna just stop i don't fault anyone for struggling i struggle with not eating dessert when everyone else is eating dessert when i feel like i'm trying to take better care of my body than to put more sugar in or whatever i mean like if no one was eating it it would be a lot easier so i i I think i tend to fall on that side of the coin in my struggle is like the fantasy is more about I just want it to go away. I want those those temptations off the table. And I think it also, like, when you start to, to just, like, look at it, letting go of trying to figure anything out for a minute and just looking at the situation, you just see how much we've come to not only expect that we can go anywhere in the world, because we can if we are privileged and we have the money, but that there's been things structured around that being the reality so a business like yours sort of depends on that being the reality right so (laughs) so, at least the love it the love it live it business but it does the other two are less so but you know they're so and that's the uh yeah the whole idea of tourism the the long distance to travel aspect of of our lives and and of a lot of how a lot of countries support themselves depends on that. I think that the idea of starting with yourself, starting with the things you know you can change, and I like what you said about instead of getting sort of caught in the struggle of trying to get your particular personal behavior just right, it would it would almost become egotistical in a way and less about the real whole big picture. If you're just fine-tuning your own footprint but not looking at all the places where you have a sphere of influence and where you can make easy changes. There's a TED Talk, a very short five-minute TED Talk by a fireman who was so eager to be a hero, and he arrives at the the scene of this fire, and he's the second one there. So the first guy got to go in and rescue the people, and he was he was asked to go in. So this woman was rescued, and she's shivering, and it's raining, and, and he's asked to go in and get her shoes. And so he kind of feels like disappointed that that's, you know, the role that he's given. Um, and, and, um, but ultimately when she wrote a thank you to the fireman for, for the help, the example that she put into her letter was, and not only did you do all these things, but you even, somebody even was thoughtful enough to notice I didn't have shoes on and went in and got my shoes. I'm like that, that, that little detail was like the place where she could, most readily notice um, that that this major effort had happened on her behalf and be touched by it. So, I mean, it's sort of a, a very separate thing than what we're talking about, but, but I guess what I like, yeah, what I like about it is like we, when we 
there, like on two levels, two things you said. One being when we're trying to figure out what we can do, it's less about you know doing something that looks good on paper, so to speak, and more about like what is possible, what where is it easy, and just do all of those easy things until you run out of them, and then you're just chipping away at the next easiest thing. So as you figure out more, I would love to hear from you again. Uh, <laughs> I would love to hear how you go. And then the other, there was another piece too. Uh, oh, I know what it is. Um, I think that having that perspective actually helps with the discouragement too, because, you know, I can get caught up in things like right now, um, a big story that keeps coming up in the news um, is that farmers um, in California who are growing raisin, grapes for ra making raisins um, are plowing under their fields and planting almonds. And they're doing that because um, the market for raisins is down. The effort to, to harvest is much higher than almonds. Almonds, it's like hardly any human beings are needed to harvest, but almonds take a lot of water and a lot of that crop goes to Asia. And it's like, it's not a sustainable thing, especially where there's drought issues in California. Obviously right now with all the rain they're getting there, it's not, not so much a big deal, but, but you know, it's likely to come back as an issue. So like I can get caught up in feeling powerless about something like that, but like, it really isn't where my sphere of influence is. I could, you know, maybe if I decided that that was the cause I thought felt most deeply about, I, I could make it my sphere of influence, but um, might make more sense for me to think about how to carpool to something I could, you know, go to. So, you know, so, uh, and, and it's really about being a little more humble. You can be less discouraged. Do, do you understand the, does that make sense? How absolutely, I'm yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. I think it's very. You know, I think if you spend too much time focusing on the things that you have no power to influence, it's really disempowering. And I think I have to actively um, change in all areas, like business or um, you know, even in the competitive environment. So if you're competing uh, and a competitor does a fantastic sort of performance, you know. You know that can knock people off center because you know that's not, you know, but there's no, you have no influence over what they do ultimately, at least in the discipline I'm doing. You know, so you know you you only have this you know influence over your own performance and your own you know that sphere of influence. And I think whenever you, any time you spend um, worrying about or you know excessively, you know, it's nice to be informed, but you know, but then ultimately your primary focus should be back within your sphere of influence and what you have to, uh, you know, your, the power to change, you know, and so, you know, the power to sort of accept what you can't change and, and, um, and act on the things that you can. You know? yeah. So I think that's a really valuable thing when, whenever there's that overwhelm and that, that sort of sense of, um, uh, you know, all these bad things are happening and I, I'm just this tiny little thing. I think, it, you know, most of the time, if you looked at that, I would say, you know, we, what we, focusing on when that's happening is things that we can't control right right you know, things that are things and and even you know one of the good things to remember i think that, that i realized once is that even if there's something bad happening in the news which is you know shifting that spectrum of 
of climate change the wrong way and condemning a whole bunch more people and animals and even species in, you know, to, to death in the future, then it still doesn't affect the fact that your action still shifts the spectrum at one way or a little bit or another. And, and just like if there's a you know, just like not getting too carried away by and, and, and forgetting about all the stuff that we're supposed to be doing when a good thing happens in the news for the climate. Right. Yeah, so something positive happens. Ah, oh, great. It's all going to be fixed. We, you know, I don't need to concentrate on the things <laughs> I was concentrating anymore. No, no, it still has just the same effect. You're shifting the spectrum a little bit yeah. further along, you know, even by a minuscule amount, and that will have repercussions in the long run. So I think, you know, I think that's a really good point you made there. I mean, Making concentrating on the on the things that we can we can have some in, some some element of influence on. Right. And then on the flip side, I'm sure we all noticed while we were very young that there was injustice and things that didn't make sense. But we also kind of got the message that it's all set in stone already, and there's nothing we can do. So I think that there's a certain amount of challenging that that we have to do or we don't have to but I, I am trying to do personally challenging the idea that I don't have power in certain arenas and I think that the political situation in, in this country right now is becoming a great proving ground for for um, the power of citizens in supporting their the people who are taking leadership in directions that we want them to go and making our voices be heard when when they're not so it's 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 that that part of it is exciting. I think it's really exciting to see what happens over the next year with Trump. So I think, you know, it's devastating what he's doing. It's a total disaster on so many different fronts, you know, but I also, the silver lining may be that a lot more people might get engaged, you know, and it might sort of, sort of spark, and it already is sparking people who weren't active before to try and engage in some way but you know so maybe there'll be this movement and and uh, and hopefully there will be this sort of you know maybe it will be a catalyst for people to sort of sort of wake up a little bit um and and move in the direction that they should <laughs> i really really hope so <laughs> yeah the other thing on that was i was just getting so much american like a lot of the podcasts a lot of the information you get a lot of the documentaries all the all the stuff you see a lot of it comes from the u.s and i actually went on a like a u.s detox because <laughs> because i think it's important to remember for you guys also that even though Trump's messing everything up in your country, you're just one of the countries and there's a lot of good stuff going on elsewhere, you know? So, so, and, and, and they're not all stopping because, you know, because Trump's being an idiot. And if, if anything, they're reacting to the people, you know, there's a lot of discontent about Trump, not just in the U S but around the world. And, and if anything, the, the, uh, the political environment is reacting to that, Politicians are always trying to get themselves voted in again, and they're always going to react to to that in the the feeling of what's going on in their in their people, with their people to a certain extent. You know, the, you know, there's a lot going on outside America as well, inside the U.S. And that's hopefully we can hold the baton for now while, while they sort everything out there, and then uh, in a couple of years' time, we'll uh, maybe we'll have a bit of a overhaul in the U.S. as well. That would be fantastic. And I have to say, it's one of the big problems in this country is that we're very self-centered and don't see the rest of the world's news. You know, it sort of feeds in upon itself because we hear the same sort of four stories in the news over and over again. And they're all what Trump tweeted most recently. And uh, 
what's going on in Congress right now. The, you know, those are pretty much it. And, you know, maybe if something gets in around the edges, it's like, oh, and by the way, you know, there's 20 million people poised on the brink of famine um, in various parts of Africa. And, you know, back to Trump. So, yeah, yeah. So, and it doesn't get mentioned. Those 20 million people are on the verge of that because uh, because of some sort of uh, drought or something. You know, like in the north, you know, there's a there's a huge drought which has been, you know, obviously it's some some way part to to do with climate change. You know, but that often gets missed as well. Mm -hmm. Problems that are happening. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were we were up there on a high note just a moment ago, and now we've kind of oh well. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, Trump got in there, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Um, so maybe just as a last thing, maybe um, w w is there anything else that you want to say about, from the perspective of where you are in the world, um, how you're seeing things um, or where you're getting news or just, you know, whatever else you want to say to as a last, as your last uh, contribution to the conversation before we wrap up? Yeah, sure. I mean, we could talk about Uganda plenty, but uh, but that's not a last ditch thing. But maybe if you want something positive, I, I found a, pub, a podcast called Momentum for Change, and that was quite inspiring for me. Listening today, they're really short, five minute podcasts that that, that have like um, the uh, sort of really innovative and creative solutions to climate change, and and think things that are actually you know organizations that, that it's basically a way of acknowledging organizations that have been creative or, or made some really solid impact so if you want some feel a bit better about it <laughs> then uh, then listen to them they're five minutes long and they're really neat and so uh, i don't know i guess that would be a um, that, that 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 when i was getting a lot of sort of overwhelm and negativity i sort of searched out some stuff that would help me feel mm -hmm. a bit more positive about it that was that was really good um so i don't know um and then yeah it's 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 do feel it's a bit rough that the people here like this the rains here failed you know directly from here uganda a lot of subsistence farmers and if the, the rains failed or they they're totally unpredictable the rains now they used to be like pretty much to the week you knew when it was going to start to rain and it was really defined rainy season and dry mm -hmm. season so the planting was easy right. and now it's all over the shot there's real impacts happening and the farmers are just they don't know what to do with it they don't they've had nothing to do with the contribution to it all right and they're, they're feeling it the effects much earlier and you know and so it's you know it's real happening here and it's definitely the effects are, are clear to see um, and it's you know and, it, and it, there is that injustice which we we should all you know i think you know i i feel a bit guilty about you know being a part of the problem and then seeing all these people who weren't part of the problem taking the, the brunt of it and that's one of the big injustices isn't it uh, absolutely and, and that actually somehow that that story has squeaked through somewhere where i'm paying attention to the news but yeah i'm aware of that and probably it's a, like hbo has a series called vice or vice land or something like that one of their spinoffs of vice but yeah that's thank you for mentioning that and there's probably yes like you said there's probably a lot we could talk about about uganda i think we're just gonna have to talk again sam <laughs> yeah we'll talk again all right I'd yeah, well, let's that talk again much. in a little while when, okay and then maybe i'll have done this carbon audit and i'll have something else to talk about on that sense as well keep me keep me uh, on track with that so yeah no Good. worries we'll talk again all right i'd love it's it been fun thank you so much and have a great well, thanks, day Amy, and thanks for all the
I've listened to most of your, you know, a lot of the podcasts. So it's it, thanks for all your thoughts and the wisdom. It's been really fun listening to the whole thing. So oh. yeah, nice to be a part of it. But also thank you for your, you know, for the part that you've had in helping me along this journey. Oh wow! Well, thank you. Gosh, that's that sounds great. That 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 feels great to hear. So, all right. Well, enjoy your evening, and I'll get on with my morning. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, cheers, Amy. Okay. Right, nice to talk. Bye. See you. Bye.